Welcome. You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hi, I'm Mike Paul. Welcome to this podcast of articles from Ars Technica, a presentation of Airs LA. This is episode 18, recorded December 8, 2022. We have five articles for you today. We'll discover Disney's new digital fountain of youth. Learn about an Amazon program that probably isn't worth your $2 a month. Stay updated on the latest health concerns making their way around the world. And see how misuse of Apple's AirTags has spurred an important lawsuit. But first, our lead story. The first article is by Jennifer Ouellette, published on November 17, 2022. Lost 8th century Japanese medical text by a Buddhist monk has been found. The practice of herbal medicine in Japan is known as kampo, and such treatments are often prescribed alongside Western medicines and covered by the national healthcare system. The first person to teach traditional Chinese medicine in Japan was an 8th century Buddhist monk named Jianzen, Ganjin in Japanese, who collected some 1,200 prescriptions in a book, Jianshengren, or Holy Priest Jianzen's Secret Prescription. The text was believed lost for centuries, but the authors of a recent paper published in the journal Compounds stumbled across a book published in 2009 that includes most of Jianzen's original prescriptions. Before the book Jianshengren's Secret Prescription was found, everyone thought it had disappeared in the world, Shihui Lu and his co-authors at Okayama University in Japan wrote. Fortunately, we found it before it disappeared completely. It has not yet been included in the intangible cultural heritage. As we all know, intangible cultural heritage itself is very fragile. Everything has a process of generation, growth, continuation, and extinction, and the remains of intangible cultural heritage are also in such a dynamic process. We hope to draw more people's attention to protect many intangible cultures that are about to disappear, including Jian Shangren's secret prescription. Born in what is now Yangzhou, China, Jian Zhen became a disciple of Dayun Temple at 14 years old, eventually becoming abbot of Daiming Temple. He was also known to have medical expertise, passed down from monks to disciples for generations, and even opened a hospital within the temple. In the fall of 742, a Japanese emissary invited Jian Zhen to lecture in Japan, and the monk agreed, although some of his disciples were displeased. But the crossing did not succeed, nor did his next three attempts to travel to Japan. On Jian Zhen's fifth attempt to go to Japan in 748, he made a bit more progress, but the ship was blown off course by a storm, and he ended up on Henan Island. The monk made the arduous journey back to his temple by land, lecturing at monasteries along the way. It was nearly three years before he got back and by then he had been blinded by an infection. The sixth attempt, however, proved successful. After a six-month voyage, Jianzhen made it to Kyushu in December 748, reaching Nara the following spring, where the monk received a warm welcome from the emperor. 
According to the authors, Jian Zen brought many traditional ingredients with him to Japan, including musk, agarwood, snail, rosin, dipped taro carp, fragrant gall, sucrose, benzoin, incense, and Dutchman's pipe root, as well as honey and sugarcane, all of which formed the basis for some 36 different medicines. He also managed to collect other ingredients over the course of his journey from China to Japan. After settling in at Tosho Daiichi Temple, the monk began growing medicinal herbs in a garden, distributing his medicines to those in need, including Emperor Shomu and Empress Komyo. Despite being blind, Jian Zen could still rely on smell, taste, and touch to identify the various medicines and he taught many Japanese how to collect and make those medicines too. In fact, many Japanese medicines were once wrapped in paper decorated with a portrait of Jianzen. Liu et al. wanted to learn more about the types of medicines and formulations Jianzen brought with him to Japan, so they undertook an extensive review of the existing literature, searching in Chinese, Japanese, and English. That's how they stumbled upon a 2009 book entitled Three Treasures Be Published. It turns out that before he left for Japan, Jianzen gave a copy of his many prescriptions to one of his disciples, a monk named Ling Yu. The text passed through 52 subsequent generations until Ling Yu's descendant, Li Yutian, decided to organize all the prescriptions in his 2009 book. The text is not entirely intact, containing 766 of the original 1,200 prescriptions, including recipes for soups, powders, pills, ointments, and rice wine. But it's nonetheless a treasure trove of new information. Before, only three or four of Jian Zen's prescriptions were known to be preserved in a few 9th and 10th century Japanese medical texts. Per Liu et al., from this book, we know that when choosing herbal medicines, it is necessary to choose high-quality medicinal materials that feel and taste good, not to use alternative medicinal materials, and to choose the right origin and seasonal herbal medicines. Each medicine should be carefully identified by eyes, nose, tongue licking, hand touch, and other methods to ensure that good medicinal materials are used. For pharmaceutical preparation, after the selection of herbal medicines, the medicine is prescribed and dosed according to the prescription. It is recommended to soak the herbal medicine in water for one to two hours, and then to boil it for half an hour, and to take the medicine twice a day in the morning and evening by drinking half a bowl each time. The authors hope that the recovery of Jian Zen's lost prescriptions will lead to the discovery of new, useful organic compounds for modern medicines. For instance, the 2015 Nobel Prize in Psychology or Medicine honored research into soil microorganisms that led to the development of ivermectin as a treatment for river blindness and elephantiasis, especially in Africa. Another of the 2015 Nobel laureates, Yu Yu Chu, found a traditional Chinese herb and isolated its active component into an anti-malarial drug, artemisinin. Therefore, quoting, traditional Chinese medicine may serve as a huge drug resource library, the authors wrote. 
we will continue to discover and extract useful active molecules to treat more diseases in patients and to make greater contribution to human health. Our second article is by Benji Edwards, published on November 30th, 2022. Disney's new neural network can change an actor's age with ease. Disney researchers have created a new neural network that can alter the visual age of actors in TV or film, reports Gizmodo. The technology will allow TV or film producers to make actors appear older or younger using an automated process that will be less costly and time-consuming than previous methods. Traditionally, when special effects staff on a video or film production need to make an actor look older or younger, a technique Disney calls re-aging, they typically either use a 3D scanning and 3D modeling process or a 2D frame-by-frame digital retouching of the actor's face using tools similar to Photoshop. This process can take weeks or longer, depending on the length of the work. By contrast, Disney's new AI technique, called Face Reaging Network, or FRAN, automates the process. Disney calls it the first practical, fully automatic, and production-ready method for re-aging faces in video images. To build FRAN, Disney researchers randomly generated thousands of examples of synthetically aged faces between 18 and 85 using StyleGAN 2. With that training data in hand, FRAN learned general principles about how a person's appearance changes with age. Now that training is complete, it can apply those aging principles to a real actor in motion, frame by frame. Our network is trained in a supervised fashion on a large number of face image pairs, showing the same synthetic and photorealistic person labeled with the corresponding source and target ages, the researchers wrote in a corresponding academic paper, By generating this training data synthetically, they bypass the seemingly impossible task of collecting images depicting a variety of identities, ages, and ethnicities in different viewpoints. The result is what Disney calls a production-ready solution, which means it creates enough high-quality output to be used in a real film or TV show. It's probably the first AI solution of its kind that can dynamically alter an actor's age on video despite variable expressions, lighting conditions, and viewpoints. The researchers also developed a user-friendly interface for Fran that will allow artists to easily use the tool in a production environment. Disney presented the research paper titled Production-Ready Face Reaging for Visual Effects on Wednesday, and submitted it for inclusion at the 2022 ACM SIGGRAPH Asia Conference in December. The paper's authors include Gaspard Zoss, Prashanth Chandran, Eftichio Sifakis, Marcus Gross, Paolo Gotardo, and Derek Bradley, all affiliated with Disney Research Studios in Zurich, Switzerland. Considering Disney's history with inserting computer-generated actors into Star Wars films and TV shows, including some that have been de-aged using CGI, we would not be surprised to see technology similar to Fran widely used in future Disney productions, although no plans have been announced. The third article is by Sharon Harding, published on December 6, 2022. Amazon ad verification program buys access to your phone's soul 
for $2 a month. Amazon has gotten flack for how it handles user and partner data, but that hasn't stopped it from launching a program that openly pays to stock opt-in participants' smartphone traffic. The ad verification scheme is similar to demised programs from other tech giants like Google and gives Amazon access to members' phone data to learn about how they interact with advertisements. As reported by Insider on Monday, Amazon is now offering payment for ad verification to members of the Amazon Shopper Panel, an invite-only reward program available to U.S. and U.K. Amazon customers. As per an image shared on the Shopper Panel's website, users can opt in to ad verification, which lets Amazon confirm which ads from Amazon they saw on their device. This can include Amazon's own advertising or ads from third-party businesses that advertise through Amazon ads. Those who opt in give the Amazon Shopper Panel, App Store, and Play Store apps permission to collect and use information about the websites and time of day where you view ads on your smartphone. Your participation will help brands offer better products and make ads from Amazon more relevant, Amazon's Shopper Panel page says. Amazon's broader shopper panel program lets invited participants acquire monthly rewards by sending Amazon pictures of recent receipts and taking surveys. The program is only available to a limited number of Amazon customers, but if you're not invited, you can join a waitlist. Little money, considerable risks. Amazon's ad verification program sees the company being somewhat open about prying into members' phones and even offering compensation. But if $2 doesn't sound like a lot of money, it isn't, it sounds like real chump change, considering the general privacy risks associated with basically handing over one of your most, if not your top, used personal devices to any company, let alone one like Amazon. According to Amazon's Shopper Panel FAQ, participants can withdraw consent and delete your personal information that is associated with the Amazon Shopper Panel, including ad verification information, at any time. And Amazon claims it won't share personal information acquired through the Shopper Panel with anyone else. Questions about the program's privacy constructs by Insider were forwarded to Amazon's privacy notice. It says it may use your personal information for things like interest-based ads and recommending features. Additionally, the privacy notice claims Amazon only shares personal information with a third party when a business transaction calls for it or to comply with the law. Amazon, like many tech giants, doesn't have the cleanest reputation when it comes to keeping people abreast of what happens to the data Amazon has amassed on them. As a quick recent example, this summer, it came out that Amazon's home security company, Ring, has given user data to the police without consent. And this spring, the House Judiciary Committee concluded that Amazon lied to Congress about how it uses third-party seller data. Amazon purportedly uses the data to manipulate competitive advantages. Yet Amazon maintains a relentless push for data, with some gaining concern, as noted by Insider, about future endeavors including a deal to acquire home-mapping robot vacuum maker iRobot and repeated interest in healthcare. Sound familiar? If the past is any indicator, Amazon's paid-for smartphone surveillance program may face resistance. Google tried a similar tactic in 2012. 
The Google ScreenWise program gave members Amazon gift cards in exchange for letting a browser extension or even a piece of hardware monitor their home network traffic. And in 2016, Facebook launched a program that gave 13- to 25-year-olds gift cards in exchange for downloading an ever-watchful VPN app. Both programs eventually raised privacy concerns, while their apps raised eyebrows for getting around Apple's App Store rules. Both were dead by 2020. With prior opt-in surveillance programs reaching such terminations, Amazon's new ad verification program will likely face similar scrutiny. Our fourth article is by Beth Mole, published on December 7th, 2022. Scarlet fever is soaring in UK after pandemic lull. Invasive infections kill eight. Scarlet fever is spiking in the UK, with numbers more than fourfold higher than normal for this time of year. And a rare but serious invasive disease caused by the same bacteria that causes scarlet fever and strep throat, group A streptococci, is also surging, killing at least eight children in the UK, according to media reports. The unusual rise is seen as yet another anomalous disease transmission cycle rippling in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Like many other seasonal infections, scarlet fever cases in the UK virtually flattened at the end of 2019-2020 season and bottomed the chart throughout the 2020-2021 season, according to data released by the UK Health Security Agency, Now, with most pandemic-related health restrictions lifted or at least eased, a throng of seasonal infections, particularly those that hit children the hardest, have returned. Many have returned with some ferociousness, finding a yet larger pool of susceptible victims than usual after a hiatus. Many of these disease cycle anomalies have been seen in seasonal viruses, namely enteroviruses, adenoviruses, influenza, and RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which are currently swamping hospitals and pediatric wards in the U.S. Lots of infections became rarer during the restrictions of the recent pandemic and are now coming back rapidly as mixing normalizes. Adam Finn, a pediatrics professor at the University of Bristol, said in a statement, Group A strep is no exception, and we have been seeing increasing numbers of cases in recent months. Infection Connections Transmission of Group A strep bacteria is associated with the transmission of viruses. Historically, Group A strep infections are closely linked to the spread of chickenpox, though clinicians note that a strep infection can strike after other viral infections. It's unclear what the link between certain viral infections and Group A strep is exactly. Researchers have hypothesized a confluence of factors may explain the link, from overlapping timing and disease cycling, similar transmission routes, for example, respiratory, and the common age of victims. There's also the possibility that some germs share common methods of suppressing the immune system to spark an infection. Thus, infection with one germ could pave the way for another that takes a similar route. There is some evidence for this with chickenpox and group A strep, which similarly alter the activity of certain T-cells, But some viral infections also suppress the immune system more generally. 
Perhaps the best example of this is measles, which suppresses immune response for weeks to months after an infection, leading to what some experts call immune amnesia. Prior to childhood vaccination campaigns, spread of measles was closely associated with upticks in cases of whooping cough, or pertussis, which is caused by the bacterium Bordetella pertussis. The current rise of Group A strep infections in the UK is not clearly linked to a rise in chickenpox cases. Chickenpox is not a notifiable disease in the UK, meaning official counts are unavailable. However, sentinel surveillance data suggests that there hasn't been an unusual rise. The rise of strep A is coinciding with viral respiratory infections, though. Usually we see a high number of group A strep cases in late spring or early summer, often after chickenpox infections. Elizabeth Whitaker, a pediatric infectious diseases and immunology expert at Imperial College London, said in a statement, High numbers at this time of year are unusual and probably occurring as normal seasonality has not yet returned. We are seeing more pneumonia than usual, most likely as group A strep infections are coinciding with the peak in winter respiratory viruses, which are typical for this time of year. Group A strep infections typically cause mild infections such as strep throat, scarlet fever, and the skin infection impetigo, which are effectively treated with antibiotics. In the UK, there were 851 cases of scarlet fever in week 46 of this year, ending on November 19th, whereas the average for the previous years was 186 cases in week 46, the UKHSA reported. The spike is part of a larger rise. There were 4,622 notifications of scarlet fever in weeks 37 to 46 this year in England, compared with an average of 1,294 in the same period in the previous five seasons. Severe Cases In rare cases, Group A strep can get into the bloodstream, causing a severe invasive disease called invasive Group A strep, or IGAS, which can be deadly in young children. So far this year, the UKHSA has tallied 2.3 cases per 100,000 children, ages 1 to 4, compared with an average of 0.5 in the pre-pandemic seasons, 2017 to 2019, and 1.1 cases per 100,000 children, ages 5 to 9, compared to the pre-pandemic average of 0.3 at the same time of the year. Severe cases remain rare, but identifying strep A infections may be more difficult than normal this year as it circulates among respiratory viruses, potentially delaying treatment. Severe invasive group A strep is rare, and parents don't need to worry, but do need to be aware when and how to seek medical attention, Whitaker said. We would normally expect fevers due to viral infections to settle within four or five days, so if they are persisting or are associated with lethargy, difficulty breathing, poor drinking or wet nappies, or urine output, families should get in touch with NHS 111 for advice, referring to a non-emergency medical service line in the UK. Prompt treatment with antibiotics can manage these infections, but it is important that they are recognized and treated quickly, Nathalie McDermott, a pediatric infectious disease expert at King's College London, said. Prompt treatment of scarlet fever and strep throat also reduces the chances of a child developing invasive group A strep, 
and reduces the chances of the infection spreading to other children at school or household members. In the U.S., scarlet fever is not a notifiable disease, so there are no official numbers. But there is surveillance of eye gas cases. In a press briefing earlier this week, Barbara Mahon, an epidemiologist with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, said, As far as I'm aware, we have not heard of any notable increase in eye gas cases. Our fifth and final article is by Ashley Bellinger, published on December 6, 2022. Stalker's chilling use of AirTags spurs class action suit against Apple. When Apple released AirTags in 2021, the small electronic tracking devices were touted by top executives as being stalker-proof. Since then, Vice reported a minimum of 150 police cases documenting stalkers using AirTags, and there have already been two severe stalking cases involving AirTags that ended in murder in Ohio and Indiana. Confronted by police reports and concerns from privacy advocates, Apple released updates in February, claiming that new features would mitigate reported stalking risks. Stalking reports kept coming, though, and it increasingly seemed to victims that Apple had not done enough to adequately secure AirTags. Now, Apple is being sued by two women who claim that the company is still marketing a dangerous product. In the complaint filed yesterday in a federal court in California, the women suing Apple say that AirTags have become one of the most dangerous and frightening technologies employed by stalkers. It has become the weapon of choice, they say, because the small size makes the devices hard to detect, the accuracy of Apple's location tracking is unparalleled, and the $29 price is extremely affordable. Victims say that stalkers can effectively track them, and if the device gets deactivated, AirTags are easy to replace at the next opportunity. These AirTags are supposed to work by emitting Bluetooth signals to Apple's massive Find My network of connected devices, accurately reporting the location of a missing AirTag to the owner. The coat button-sized tracking devices can be easily clipped to key rings or dropped in purses to help owners recover lost items. But the AirTags are also so small that they can easily go undetected, especially when stalkers alter the devices to make them harder to find. For one woman suing, Lauren Hughes, her ex-boyfriend allegedly used a Sharpie to color the AirTag and hide it inside the wheel well of her car. The other woman suing, who remains anonymous out of fear for her physical safety, found an AirTag that her estranged husband had allegedly planted in her child's backpack. When she removed the device from the backpack, it was soon replaced by another. Lawyers representing the woman suing did not immediately respond to Ara's request for comment. Apple previously acknowledged reports of bad actors attempting to misuse AirTag for malicious or criminal purposes, describing in a blog how the company had partnered with law enforcement to help trace AirTags back to the stalkers who owned them. They also said they worked with safety groups to take other steps to prevent unwanted tracking and promised to release a series of updates before the end of this year. So far, Apple has not made any mention on its blog of those updates and did not immediately respond to R's request for comment on whether those updates are still expected to be released in 2022. 
The lawsuit Apple now faces is not just about two women being harassed by stalkers using AirTags. It's a class action lawsuit that represents all persons residing in the United States who own iOS and Android devices, as well as other subclasses at risk of stalking. Plaintiffs suing represent various stalked classes. They're asking for a jury to assess whether, in addition to injunctive relief and damages, Apple should owe punitive damages for allegedly releasing a defective product with insufficient safeguards to prevent stalking, then profiting off sales after allegedly misleading the public to believe AirTags were stalker-proof. This is problematic for all class members, as they are unlikely to learn of the dangers associated with AirTags until they have become victims of stalking, the complaint states. AirTag safeguards against stalking deemed deficient. The complaint alleges that the Apple AirTag has revolutionized location-based stalking by creating a tool with the sole purpose of transmitting its location to its owner and then dismissing warnings from privacy experts to consider its inevitable use in stalking. Electronic Frontier Foundation's Director of Cybersecurity, Eva Galperin, described AirTags as uniquely harmful and was quoted in the complaint as saying that the network that Apple has access to is larger and more powerful than that used by the other trackers. It's more powerful for tracking and more dangerous for stalking. Quickly after releasing AirTags, the complaint says that immediately Apple was inundated with chilling stalking reports, including stalkers sewing AirTags into clothing to evade discovery. Soon, Apple was scrambling to address its failures in protecting people from unwanted, dangerous tracking, the complaint says. One of the earliest solutions from Apple was providing text-based notifications for iOS users, alerting them when there was an AirTag found moving with you. However, users couldn't always trust that this alert was accurate, or referring to an AirTag device located near them in a crowd, and they couldn't always find the tracking device, even if they knew it existed. For Android users, the situation was even bleaker, because Apple had no way to send automatic alerts. Android users thus became nearly defenseless to tracking and stalking using an AirTag, because the only way to find out was to proactively download an app called Tracker Detect and manually search for AirTags. Any Android owner who downloads Tracker Direct must decide when and where to scan for AirTags, something a person being unknowingly tracked would be unlikely to do, the complaint states. Another solution that Apple has implemented is playing sound notifications when an AirTag is detected, chiming an alert at 60 decibels, or as loud as a normal conversation between two people, the complaint says. This is not an effective solution, the complaint says, for hearing-impaired people, or anyone located in a loud environment when the warning sounds. It also doesn't help when stalkers cleverly place the device out of hearing range. In Hugh's case, with an AirTag hidden in the wheel well of her car, she'd likely never hear the warning chime. And when she attempted to engage the AirTag feature to chime when she was searching for the hidden device, the chime only rang once. Women suing say that even if the text and sound notifications were effective solutions for iOS users, stalkers have already found a way around the safeguard. Silent air tags are sold on e-commerce sites like Etsy and eBay, the complaint says.
disabling the speaker that is supposed to protect the vulnerable targets of stalking. A recent ARS review found silent air tags for sale on Etsy, but not eBay. In addition to these features, Apple also promised more updates yet to be announced in 2022. These include precision finding to help victims using iPhone 11, 12, and 13 locate unwanted trackers, as well as syncing text alerts with sound alerts to help in cases where the AirTag may be in a location where it is hard to hear, or if the AirTag speaker has been tampered with, unquote. They also promised, quote, to use more of the loudest tones to make an unknown AirTag more easily findable, unquote. The most troublesome aspect of Apple relying on alerts like these to prevent stalking, rather than proactively designing a product that cannot be used by stalkers, is that these alerts are typically substantially delayed. Sometimes victims have been tracked for days before they received an alert, which would give a stalker plenty of time to note their new address or frequented locations. Apple has said that it will release an update to notify users earlier that an unknown AirTag or Find My network accessory may be traveling with them, but has not yet clarified if that ever happened. For now, victims like the women suing expect that they will remain in danger of being unknowingly tracked as long as AirTags are sold as currently marketed. The risks involved with a product like this being abused still seem like they far outweigh the convenience of finding a misplaced set of keys, the complaint says. Well, that'll do it for this week's articles. To learn more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us at facebook.com slash A-I-R-S-L-A. If you like what's there, please hit the like button. Music provided by Hot Fire. I'm Mike Paul, and I'll be back soon with more stories from Ars Technica. Thanks for listening.